Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, open them to Galatians chapter 2. We'll get there in just a few minutes. This morning, I want to encourage every student, middle school, high school, college, and every young adult, if you're 35 or under, to be with us in the student ministry service this Wednesday night. It's across the hall in the fellowship hall. I want you to be there because I'm going to be talking to you about your destiny and your purpose in life. I believe that God is on the verge of bringing a great revival to America and to the world through our young people. So this Wednesday night, I want to encourage what he's been doing and what he started and feed the flames in our young people and see God use them in a greater and a mightier way. Amen. I believe that what God did in the 60s and the 70s with the Jesus movement, he wants to do again. I believe God desires to find young people like David, like Gideon, young people like Esther, who will step up and say, God, this is my day. This is my time. I want you to use me and allow him to fill you and to speak into your life. So be here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. You say, well, I'm right in the middle of finals. May I tell you, there is a greater final you need to be worried about. So you need to be here Wednesday night. No excuses and bring everybody with you that you possibly can who's in that age range. God's going to speak to you in a powerful way this Wednesday night. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Would you bow your head and let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to be in the presence of the living God. We don't come to church lightly. We come to church expecting you to show up, expecting the presence of Holy Spirit, expecting an outpouring of you in this place, expecting a demonstration of your power, expecting salvation and healing and deliverance. We come today with that expectation, asking you, Father, to bring change in our lives and those among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in a season of change as a church family. I believe that God is going to do a new thing through all nations' church, and we will see it know it, and acknowledge it, and worship Him through it. I believe that when uh, on April the 5th, when the church voted to uh, accept a sales contract on this physical building, and when that loan closed, when that sale closes, $5,242,743 of debt is going to be erased and wiped out. And for the first time in 19 years, this church will be debt-free. May I tell you, when we get ahead of God, we use the tools of man to try to accomplish what we think is his purpose, rather than waiting on him, trusting him, believing him to provide and to gather the resources we need. Listen, God doesn't need his church to be in debt. That's not his will. Because when we are enslaved in debt, we then become servants to the lender rather than servants to a mighty God. So I am rejoicing that in 90 days, we pray, we'll be debt-free for the first time in 19 years. 
And that opens a whole new door of opportunities for us. I know some of you are saying, well, where are we going to go to church? Where is our church going to be? Well, first, you are the church. You carry the presence of God with you. No matter where you're at or where you go, you're the church. I'm the church. But we always relate the church to a location or to a facility. We need to understand that God always makes the way. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? Why are you worried about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat? Don't you know God knows your needs and he takes care of them even before you get to them? Oh, that's a great principle. God knows our needs. He's already got it taken care of even before we get to it. The provision and the supply is there. It's a new season. When I think about it, I want you to know that we have the opportunity to lease this facility back for one-third of the mortgage amount that we were paying until we find a place to call home. Can you say amen? That's nothing but the provision of God either. It's an amazing thing. Now, that's not our plan. We don't want to lease it back if we don't have to. But if we haven't found that open door yet, then we're not going to be homeless. A lot of people worry about the church being homeless. The church is never homeless. Read the New Testament. They met in houses and rented facilities and public halls. There was no permanent place for a church, a facility in the New Testament. That came later as man desired to build those kinds of things. We need to know and understand that no matter where we go, as long as we're following God, provision is always ahead of us. He's always there. He's already opening the door, making the way. He's already speaking to people about what our next will be. So we don't fear, although when we move into a new season, often fear is a part of what we encounter. But rather we choose to conquer that fear with faith because perfect love casts out all fear. And when we're living in the love of Christ, we have no reason to fear. Amen? He knows our end from our beginning. He understands what we need. So in seasons of change, we have to be on high alert for what God is about to do. Our ears have to be open. Our eyes have to be attentive. Our heart has to be hearing the voice of the Spirit of God. It's no longer church as usual when we move into a season of change. When we move into a season of change, suddenly... The things that we once saw came into perfect and clear vision. The needs of the world begin to identify right in front of our eyes. And I mean, think about it. We live in a world that is absolutely chaotic, upside down. Right is wrong and wrong is right. Black is white and white is black. Nothing that once was true is true in the eyes of the world anymore. We live in an age and a time when our national leaders... Some of you aren't going to like this, but I'm going to say it. Are not only driven by doctrines of devils, but are possessed by the devil himself. Demons drive them and control them and lead them into ways of absolute destruction for them and those around them. Do you know that today in America, there are more Satanists than there are Presbyterians? It's an amazing thing. We live in a culture that's absolutely chaotic and upside down. We live in a culture who's actually embraced the darkness of the kingdom of darkness. 
We look around and we see these politicians lying. We know they're lying. They know they're lying, but they keep lying. Why? Because their father is the father of lies. Deception is their main tool. Why? Because they're following the great deceiver. It's time for America to be touched by the power of God in such a way that demonic oppression is broken off. Demonic possession is broken off. Oh, it's time for the church to stand up and say, Mark chapter 16, in his name, we will drive out demons. In his name, we'll speak in new tongues. In his name, we'll pick up serpents. In his name, if we drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm us. In his name, we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a new season. And it's a season when the church's eyes are opened to the realities of what Satan is doing in this world. Listen, folks, you and me as believers, we're strangers, we're pilgrims, we're aliens passing through this life. Our home is not here, our home is in heaven. But as we pass through this life, we are to leave the mark of Christ upon those we encounter. So when you encounter someone that is demon-possessed, don't run in fear, stand in faith. For the power of God in you is more than able to drive out that demonic spirit. Let me pause here for just a moment. Some of this is going to get uncomfortable for you. We're in a new season. And it's a season when church people are going to stop playing church and start following God. It's a season when people who sat on church pews for years and years and years who have been oppressed and demonized are going to be set free once for all. Listen, it's not God's will that you come into light and then you allow darkness to return. Light drives out darkness. Satan has no place in the life of the believer. Listen. If you're struggling with the same sin over and over and over again, you're demonized. And you need deliverance and freedom from that oppression. If you constantly fall into negative thoughts and negative attitudes, if you can't see the good that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're demonized. And you need to be delivered from that oppression. We're moving into a new season. A season of opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do great things in our life. Look around us. Look at our nation. What they're calling the progressive movement. It's not progressive. It's regressive. It's nothing but the doctrines of demons and devils advancing the kingdom of darkness. It is regressive, not progressive. And the only way to stop it is with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said to the Romans in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it? It's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, I'm not ashamed. When we move into a new season, Timidity is broken off. When we move into a new season, suddenly we are no longer ashamed to be called Christians. We want to advance the cause of Christ and identify with the risen Lord and Savior. Rather than coming to church once or twice a month and thinking that 
we're all that and a bag of chips. Now, we're in a new season, folks. We're in a new season. And we need to understand when the Spirit of God begins to move, things that I'm talking about are going to occur and happen. People will be saved. Demonics will be delivered. The sick will be healed. Believers will be filled and refilled with the power of the Holy Ghost. It's a new season and it's a new day. It's time for the church to grasp the fact that church as it's always been is no longer effective. It just doesn't work. So it doesn't work because we live in a woke culture. Do you know what woke is an acronym for? It's an acronym for willingly overlooking knowing evil. Willingly overlooking knowing evil. Woke. You should never identify as woke. You should identify as risen, as alive, as full of the Holy Ghost, not as woke. That's another doctrine of demons. Oh, somebody hear me. It's time to understand the devil in the last days is unleashing everything he has against mankind. But in that time when sin abounds, what did Paul say? Grace doth much more abound. One translation says it's super abounds. So anytime we see sin rampant, we see deception ongoing. We see a spirit of lawlessness filling our land. It shouldn't make us hopeless or in despair, but rather it should fill us with the hope that the grace of God is super abounding and touching hearts and changing lives. It's a new season. Super abounding. Oh, I love that. Super, just say that out. Super abounding. Where sin abounds, grace super abounds. It's greater than, it's mightier than. It's over all. It super abounds. I love that. Romans 5, 20, where sin abounds, grace super abounds. It's a powerful word. It's a powerful scripture. So when we begin moving into this new season, how do we traverse that? How do we walk through that? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said it. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, folks, it's time to deny the flesh, rather crucify the flesh. And follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to understand he knows tomorrow and we don't. He is the wise one, the almighty one, the one who enables us. It's time to completely trust him for everything. For everything. Oh, we say, yeah, we trust him, but we've got money in the bank, a nice car to drive, a nice house to live in, plenty of food on the table. You know, we went to Publix yesterday, Vaughn and I did. We bought three items, three, $25.79. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This is ludicrous. When did potatoes get to be this high? Absolutely astounding. It makes no sense. For the child of God, what's happening around us should never affect what is in us. It should never be allowed to bring a spirit of fear to rest upon us. Listen, that is a spirit of fear. 
And if it's a spirit of fear, we cast it out. We resist it. We fight against it so it doesn't consume our lives. A spirit of fear. Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. That's a powerful statement. You need to think about it. Because he's saying when we don't live with Jesus, guiding us and directing us, uh, ordaining every aspect of our life, then we have the opportunity and the possibility of frustrating God's grace. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been frustrated with someone? With a circumstance or a situation? You ever been frustrated? I've got a neighbor that frustrates me to no end. I mean, there are days I have to fight to stay out of the flesh because he frustrates me. We've talked, we've conversed, but the next moment he's doing the very same things again. Frustrates me. Man, it makes you want to bite a nail. You're so frustrated. You ever known that person? Well, see, it's that sense that you have in that moment that Paul's describing in this verse. Do not frustrate the grace of God. Do not damage your relationship with the Heavenly Father by not living your life by the faith of the Son of God. That's what it means. When we frustrate the grace of God, we are endangering, we are cracking, we are stressing our relationship with God. Oh, do you not know when sin abounds, grace superabounds? So there is no situation in our life where we should ever say, I'm done. I'm fed up. I'm frustrated. You know what? Frustration leads to anger. Anger leads to depression. And depression leads to all kinds of spirits coming into our lives. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and say, my house was swept clean. It's full of the Holy Ghost now. And there's no room for any demon from hell, doctrine of the devils to again take root in me. I'm a child of the living God. I'm in a new season. It's a new day and I'm going to follow him. It's a new season. A new season in this new season. Our name is going to be our destiny. What's the name of this church? It's all nations. That's our destiny. It was with forethought, prayer, consideration that we made that name change. Because we believe God is going to use this church body, not this building, this church body to reach the nations of the world. You know, we have three girls who are going on a two-month missions trip this summer. Haley, Bailey, and Ava. And they're going to be in Los Angeles. They're going to be in Peru. They're going to be in Hungary. Those three girls are world changers. Those three girls hear the heartbeat of God and want to follow him above all else. I told them several things. I said, now look. We're going to take care of it. Make sure your way is paid. And by the way, all three are fully funded. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. $4,700 each fully funded. They're ready to go. So I told them some things. I saw Bailey. She's right back there. Hey, Bailey, come here. 
I want you to tell them what I told you. You're going to speak into my mic, I guess. Come on up. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You can run faster. Stand right here beside me. Stand close. This is Bailey Johnson. Bailey, what did I tell you about this trip? Don't go anywhere alone. Don't drink the water. Don't come back with boys. And journal every day. And call our parents at least once a week. And that number three, don't come back with a boy, right? Not, thank you, Bailey, not looking for a relationship with man, looking for a deeper relationship with God. I believe that's what's going to happen. These three girls are leaders in our student ministries. They are spark plugs, dynamite in the Holy Spirit. And I can't wait until August 2nd when they roll back into Tallahassee and what's going to happen in our church and in our student ministries because these three said, we're taking the gospel to the world. You see, all nations just be a sending agency. Not just an agency that gathers people, but one that sends people. That's the gospel. Jesus said, go ye into all the world. He didn't say, come ye and sit in a building. He didn't say, come ye and put your name on a row. He didn't say, come ye and get offended when it's too hot or too cold. He didn't say, come ye and criticize everything that's done. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All nations will be a sending agency greater than we've ever seen before. I love it. In May, there's a young lady coming. She was in the youth group in Oklahoma City when I pastored there. Her name was Angela Tiffany. We ran into her when we went back to uh, the state basketball tournament for our oldest grandson, Connor. Angela was there for that championship game. I met her, I saw her, we started talking. She and her husband are now missionaries to Mexico. And I remembered the time when she said, Pastor, I have an opportunity to do an internship this summer in Mexico. What do you think? And I said, you're going. We funded her. She went. She came back radically, radically transformed. Folks, I'm telling you, when we go, when we send, when we become all nations to all people, God does mighty things. In the new season, we're going to move into that destiny. In the new season, we're going to see God do things right here on the streets of Tallahassee that we've only dreamt about that we've only dreamed could possibly happen. In the new season, listen to me, you are going to lay hands on the sick in public, in publics, and they are going to recover. You are going to encounter a demonic in Walmart, and they will be set free. You will see someone that's afflicted, sick, and lame at the gas station, and they will be set free. When Maury was here last week, by the way, he'll be back July 2nd. You need to mark that on your calendar. It'll be another great service, July 2nd, Maury Davis. Well, that was interesting. Is that my time out or time up light? I don't know. Now I see the time. I'm not done yet. Doesn't matter what time it is. When Maury was here, he used to ride a motorcycle, and he sold his a few years ago. When he learned about my wreck, he called me and he said, don't buy another motorcycle. 
No, even though I love him, he's my friend. There's some voices I just shut out. <laughs> Not sure that's of God, but still waiting for God to convince my wife. You know, that's the first big hurdle. Anyway, I was telling him about the Hokahe. The Hokahe, I did it in 2018. It's the longest endurance motorcycle ride in the world. 10,000 miles in 12 days. You sleep on the ground at night beside your bike, no more than 10 foot away. You eat whatever you find at the gas station. No restaurants, no motels, no showers. I told him after five days, you no longer smell yourself. You don't think you stink. And that's absolutely true. If you want to try it, go five days without a shower. And by the sixth day, you won't smell a thing. You'll think you're just like roses. He said, why didn't you use a stream and take a bath? Because that's not what I was supposed to do. It's not what I wanted to do. Then I started telling him about the encounters I had on the Hokahe, especially about young, young, one young lady named Julie. It was in southern Nevada. I pulled into a gas station and filled up with gas, went into the station to get a bottle of water, use the restroom. When I come back out, there was a car on the other side of the pump. It was a young lady. I didn't pay much attention, just noticed she was there. And all of a sudden, I heard her crying, sobbing. Stepped around the pump, and I said, is there something I can do to help you? She said, well, my debit card isn't working. I'm out of gas. I'm trying to get to Salt Lake City to see my sister. The right side of her face was black and blue. Her right eye was swollen shut. She had been beaten severely very recently. When I began to talk to her, first I used my card and bought her gas and filled her up, began to talk to her. She said, I finally left my abusive husband. He's beaten me for the last time. So she, he drained the bank account after I left, so I have no money. No way to get to my sister. He had two little kids in the back seat. Took me in and bought him something to eat and gave her all the cash I had, enough to get her to Salt Lake City. And then I said, hey, Julie, can I ask you a really weird question? Do you know Jesus? The tears began to flow. She said, I, as a girl and a teenager, went to church all the time. But then when I got married, I stopped and drifted away. I once knew him, but I don't now. I said, do you want to come home? And we prayed right then and right there. And that burden of sin and that oppression of the enemy and that sense of unworthiness was broken off of her once for all. Oh, friend, hear me. You will have encounters. God will use you. And the power of God lives in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. So when you're in that place of encounter, you don't have to worry about what to say. He'll give you those words. And often... It's going to begin with an act of charity, with an act of displaying the love and the mercy and the grace of God. I can go on and on. You've heard all those stories before, so I'm not going to retell them. But again and again, in that situation, when I was at my weakest, God was at his strongest. Oh, friend, don't think that just because you have to go to the hospital and have a procedure that God can't use you. He can speak through you to the nurses, to the doctors, to the attendants that come into your room. Oh, somebody hear me today. It's time to stop limiting what God can do in your life and throw wide open the door and say, it's a new season and he's going to move in my life. It's a new season.
and God's going to do something powerful inside of me. Something that absolutely changes me and the destiny of those around me. Why can I say that? I can say that because the word of faith is already in your mouth. I can say that because the power of God already dwells in you. I can say that because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, all the promises of God are yes in Jesus and amen. Everything God has declared is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. There is not one promise that is left out, undone, unfulfilled. All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. So when you and I determine that we're going to change our city one person at a time, when we stop looking to build a body, a church, to fill a facility, and we start looking to build the kingdom of God, then God does something in us. I'm so thankful we're in a new season. That the yoke of bondage is being broken off of this church. That we will be free to completely serve the Master. To invest in the kingdom of God. Here's my goal. My goal is that we will spend as much money reaching people as we do taking care of ourselves. That's my goal. The pastors before, that was absolutely impossible here because of that huge debt. And if you don't know, nine years ago it was $13.2 million. God worked a miracle, dropped it to 52 but that's still too much debt for any church to bear. So I believe when God breaks that off of us, it frees up resources, it frees up money, it frees up ability to reach into our community around the nation and around the world and bring the light of Jesus Christ to penetrate the darkness. And he's going to use you to do it. He's going to use you to accomplish it. He's going to put words in your mouth Encourage in your spirit. If you're on the app, the outline is there. The first thing we have to do in order to walk into a new season is we have to have courage. Joshua chapter 1, four times God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. You can read it in Joshua 1 verse 6. Then you can read it in Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. He said in verse 6, be strong and courageous. No man's going to oppose you because I am with you. And then strong and courageous. Then in verse 7, he said, be strong and very courageous. You see, every day we have to walk in the courage of God. We have to walk knowing we are more than conquerors. We have to walk knowing that there is no devil or demon that's going to subvert God's plan in our life. We have to walk knowing that my provision is ahead of me. We have to walk knowing God holds my hand, guides my steps, directs my speech. We have to walk knowing with courage that I'm going to do what God has put me here to do. And then there are times when you need some more courage. He said in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. He took it up a notch. 
Why? Because he knew that for the next seven years, Joshua would fight battle after battle after battle. He would conquer 31 kings and give the land that God promised finally back to Israel and the Hebrews. God knew that there would be times when it wasn't enough just to be courageous. He had to be very courageous. Listen, I'm telling you, there are times when it's not enough to be courageous. You've got to be very courageous. When the doctor walks in and says, you have cancer and you're not going to live, that's not the time to fold. That's the time to be very courageous. That's not the time to give up. That's the time to be very courageous. When your pastor says, we voted to sell this building and we don't know where we're going, but we're following God, it's time to be very courageous. When you encounter a demonic, you don't turn and run. You stand being very courageous. When Jesus encountered the demonic of the gatherings, everybody else had tried to tame that man. They had chained him up, they had locked him away, but he broke the chains. He always got free and he went back to the graveyard. Oh, listen to me. Demons love the dead. That's where they want to dwell. Don't let them dwell in a living body of Christ. Expel them. Push them out. This is not your home. I am filled with the Holy Ghost of God. I am filled with light and darkness can't come in. When Jesus happened to stop there, that demonic came running to him. Interesting, isn't it? He ran from all men, but he ran to Jesus. Come on, folks, there's something there that'll preach. You need to get a hold of it. Because when the power of God is in your life, those who are demonized and oppressed and demon-possessed will run to you. They may not know why. But the light in you is drawing the darkness in them. And in that moment, Jesus set him free. He asked him, what's your name? The demonic said, my name is Legion, for we are many. You know the story, right? He was living naked in the graveyard. Can you imagine what he looked like? Hair wild, eyes blurred. Body marked with scars and dirt and grit and grime. He was not desirable. But Jesus set him free. And when he set him free, the Bible says he was returned to his right mind. He put on clothes and he began listening to Jesus. And when it was time for Jesus to move on, he said, I want to go with you. And you know what Jesus said? No, go back to your home and tell him what God has done for you. Oh, come on, folks, listen to me. This is from the Spirit of God. When people begin to come into Christ's power and their lives are transformed and changed, our goal is not to get them to a church. Our goal is to send them to their world. Our goal is to make them testimonies and witnesses of the brightness of the light of Jesus Christ. Oh, hear me. He said, go back home. Go back home. Go back home. Sometimes we run from home because our failures are back there. We run from home because people know us back there. We run from home because of things we have said back there. Because of the relationships we have splintered and shattered that are behind us. None of us want to look back 
But sometimes Jesus says, go back home. Go tell your friends. Go tell your family what great things God has done for you. That's a challenge for some people in this room, for you online. Some of you need to stand up and say, I'm done running from my past, and I'm going to tell them what God has done for me. You've got to be strong, and sometimes you've got to be very courageous. Four times in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous. Have you not heard? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. That's for somebody in this room. Listen, you may be a coward in the flesh, but in the power of the Spirit of God, you can stand as a giant killer. You can stand as a giant slayer. You can stand as one who drives out demons. Praise for the sick and they recover. Isn't it interesting when you read the New Testament? And I'm serious about this. Think about it. When you read the New Testament, it's talking about ministry, expanding the kingdom. Never once does it talk about a facility. Every time it talks about a people. Oh, come on, folks. You are the people. We are the people. We are those God has called and chosen and set apart to expand the kingdom of God. And when that debt is broken off, when relief comes, number one, we're going to celebrate, amen? Oh, we're going to celebrate. But number two, we're going to be filled with power and we're going to go and follow him into where he leads us. I believe Tallahassee is going to be changed. I believe the state is going to see change. I believe our nation is going to see change. You know, there are unreached people in our nation. There are people in Tallahassee that never have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never been inside of a church. Never seen a Bible, let alone open it to read it. Say, oh no, that's impossible. This is the USA. No, it's very possible. Because for the last 60 years, we've been drifting closer and closer and closer and closer to complete darkness in this country. And the only thing that's pushing back the darkness is the people of God standing up and saying, we will advance his kingdom and people will be reached. Redemption is still a good thing. He's still here to buy us back. We have to be courageous. And very courageous. And then you read Joshua chapter 3, and he says in verse 3 to the people, When you see the ark of the Lord, what's the ark of the Lord? It represented the presence of God. And inside that ark, there were three things. There was manna that God provided on the way out of Egypt. There was Aaron's budding rod. And then there were the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets. And that ark represented the presence of God, so much so it was the presence of God, so much so that if anyone touched it, they fell dead. It's a powerful thing. So the, Joshua said, when you see the ark, follow the presence. Follow the presence. Follow the presence. Why? Because you've not passed this way before and you don't know where you're going. Oh, come on, church. That's one of the most exciting verses in the entire Bible. 
follow the presence because you've never walked this way before and you don't know where you're going, but I know the way through the wilderness. Oh, somebody needs to hear me. We get all wrought up. We get all nervous and anxious. We get all, all uh, twisted in a knot because we don't know what our next is. Are you kidding me? This is the most exciting moment in the recent history of this church when we have an opportunity to follow the presence of God and let him lead us where he wants to take us. Follow the presence because he's going to take you where you've never gone before. Oh, I thought about that all week long, where you've never gone before. Where you've never gone before. Would you begin thinking about that? Close your eyes right now. Where I've never gone before. See, our worlds are so small and so limited. We so handcuff the presence of God by our unwillingness to follow him. He said, you're going to go where you've never gone before. You're going to find a way that you didn't know existed. Where is that for you? Where have you put up the wall? Where have you shoved on the brakes and said, stop! I'm not going there. Where have you told God, I got just enough of you to get, you, get me to heaven. That's all I want. You've never gone that way before. You've never gone that way before. It's my job, my role, my responsibility as your pastor to encourage you, to challenge you, to inspire you through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to stand up and say, God, I am willing to go where I've never gone so I can see what I've never seen. So I can experience what I've never experienced. So I can do what I've never done. Oh, folks, this is a spiritual challenge this morning. It's a new season. Are you willing to say, I'll follow the presence and I'll go where I've never gone before so I can see what I've never seen and experience what I've never experienced and do what I've never done? Are you willing? Tom, would you come back? Are you willing? To follow the presence of God. You have to be strong and sometimes very strong and courageous. And you have to be willing to follow the presence of God. Because when he leads, he's going to take you places that you never dreamed, never thought of, never imagined. He's going to take you places. He will have you doing and seeing things that will literally blow your little spiritual concept of who he is and what he wants to do completely apart. The church of Jesus Christ is birthed in power, resurrection power. And believers are birthed in power, resurrection power. But often we receive that power to be born again and we stop right there. I don't want to be radical. Listen, do you know, this past week, on one of those godless, heathenistic, demon-driven, demon-possessed programs called The View, a lady actually had the audacity to say, the Christian right in America is just like the Taliban. It's time for courage. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's all over the internet. Google it. And they agreed with her. 
We are moving into a day in this nation, if Jesus should tarry, when the church will face pressure and persecution, and you will have to count the cost of serving him. See, we're in a season, or we've been in a season of peace and prosperity, and everything's wonderful and good, and puppy dog tails and tadpoles, and it's just great to be a Christian on Sunday. But we're moving into a place where you can't just be a Sunday Christian. You gotta follow him 24-7. You gotta stand. You gotta be strong. You gotta be courageous and very courageous, and you have to follow the presence of God. Regardless of what that means. For some, it means intense persecution in the days ahead. You know, I am absolutely convinced that God is breaking us free from this debt so that in the years ahead, we will be able to say, Lord, wherever you lead, we'll follow. Whatever you say, we'll do. Whatever you want, we'll obey. Because you're our only master. You're our only master. We will no longer be a servant to the limb. He's our only master. If you're in this house today, elders and deacons, come. If you're in this house today, and you say, this message has resonated with me, it struck deeply into my soul and my spirit, I need to be very courageous. I need to be strong. I need to be willing to follow him wherever he leads. That may mean you need to ask for forgiveness for your sins. That may mean you need to be delivered from demonic possession or oppression. That may mean you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That may mean you need courage to step out and stand up in the workplace, in the neighborhood, at the grocery store, the gas station, in every heathenistic, godly environment that you walk through. Because when you walk through it, the light of Christ is walking through it as well. You're penetrating darkness every time you walk through the kingdom. So I'm talking to you this morning. You say, I'm going to stand up. I want to be courageous and sometimes very courageous. And I'm going to follow the presence of God no matter what. Because I want to see things I've never seen. I want to go where I've never gone. I want to experience what I've never experienced. I want the power of the Most High God to flow through my life so that I will be like those folks in the Bible. That's you. Stand your feet right where you're at. That's my desire. That's what I want. Make me strong and very courageous. Make me strong and very courageous. Make me strong and very courageous. Everyone standing, step out and come. We're going to pray together. If you have a specific need, if you need healing, if you need forgiveness, if you need deliverance, then stand in front of one of these elders and deacons. They're going to pray the prayer of faith over you. God's going to touch you, and what you need will be granted to you by the power that's in His name. Come on, everybody standing. Step out and come. This is your moment. This is your time. Tell that one praying for you exactly what you need. I need deliverance. I need strength. 
I need forgiveness. I need help. I need hope. I need power. I need courage. Whatever it is you need, you tell that person. And they're going to pray and God's going to grant it in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on now. Sing it out, Tom. Lift up a song right now. You made it to the end of the message. And now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.